Hello and welcome to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and I'm back in Palmerston North, New Zealand with Ian Reid, Rido, uh, Reverend Ian Reid of King's Grace Presbyterian Church, Palmerston North, New Zealand. Ian, hi, welcome back. Hi, how are you Brent? I'm very well, thank you. And we're back in the Gospel of Mark and we didn't quite get to finish off chapter 12 last time, Rido. So can we take a look at verses 35 to 43, please? I will read them for us. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes, and like greetings in the marketplaces, and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. And as he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box, many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Mm. Sobering words from the Lord Jesus. Now, Mm. Rito, what's happening here? So just before this, uh, what we've seen is the transfiguration uh, in chapter 9, and then Jesus is on his way to his death, basically. That's that's where we're heading to. So we've had several prophecies about uh, what where Jesus is going. He's going towards his death. No one understands what that means yet, uh, but we're on the way there. And as he's going there, he's teaching the disciples. He's teaching them about what this new kingdom is going to be like, when it's coming, what his death is going to actually mean. Yeah, so we're kind of in the midst of that teaching. Last time we had the uh, what I could think of as the quiz passage, where he had all the mm. uh, authorities turning up and asking him tricky questions. Yep. How do these verses fit in with the previous passage? Do you think? Well, he kind of he turns it around, doesn't it, and kind of asks them a question, and he's asking the question about uh, kind of why, who is this Messiah going to be? Uh, what is he going to look like? How can I not be the Messiah? Because that's basically what they're asking. They're they're questioning him on is. Are you sure that you're you're the Messiah? Are you? How can you kind of call yourself this or call yourself that? And so he turns it around and kind of puts it back on them to say that actually, how does this make sense in your world? How does the um, the famous passage about the widow's offering, fit, which I think is often misunderstood, isn't it? Really, how does it fit in with what Jesus has been saying there in verse forty? Yeah, so you've got the this in forty and just just before that up to up to thirty eight. Jesus saying, beware of the teachers of the law. Now, the teachers of the law have popped up the whole way through Mark. And they're not, you know, the way that they're kind of portrayed is this group that is dead set against Jesus. They kind of keep launching investigations, basically. And and let's go and investigate who this Jesus is and who he claims to be. Uh, But he kind of is unmasking what their real motives are, that their motives are prestige, honour, Things like that. And um, so then he flips it around to show, hey, they're like that. So verse 40, you know, they devour uh, widows' houses. And who do we see next? We see a widow. You know, kind of. He, he shows how this is actually played out in real life. Yes, often of this passage is read rather sentimentally as though, oh, look, there's this beautiful poor widow who, look at how much she's given, you know. But actually, how does the widow's offering demonstrate the corruption and greed 
of the religious teachers. Well, you know, what, what she puts in is two very small copper coins, you know, with only a fraction, you know, of, you know, it's a, it's a very small amount, uh, but it kind of, it shows what they're really about, that they are about money, about about wealth, but also about status. Uh, and what does God really desire? It's none of that. He doesn't care about those things. He cares about who we are, kind of, and, and our giving in generosity uh, kind of cuts through all of that, doesn't it? Yes, and so um, the woman really, uh, he's making the point, this poor woman is being, you are forcing this woman to give mm-hmm. all she has, and this is the injustice of your religious system, isn't it? Yeah. It's really quite profound. Now, chapter 13, Rita, this is one of my favorite chapters in uh, in the gospel. Why why is it so difficult, do you think? Uh, because it's, Jesus seems to be talking about the future. So it's one of the um, few passages in the gospels that we would say that's apocalyptic writing. So apocalyptic writing comes, it's the word apocalypsis is the first word in Revelation. And so that's where that kind of comes from. Uh, and often it's it's writing that, that's kind of cloaked. Uh, and so it's kind of, we don't quite see or know exactly what's going on. It's kind of uses fig- figurative languages or numbers and symbols. And Jesus seems to be doing that here. Now, how do you see this passage? Because scholars, um, some scholars say it's uh, AD 70, destruction of Jerusalem, Romans attacking. Some say it's a bit of AD seventy, and it's the second coming. Some mm. see it as the second coming only. What? What? How do you read it? Well, and another option is that it, Jesus is actually speaking about his death. Oh, okay. And so uh, yeah. Peter Bolt in his book uh, The Cross from a Distance. Yeah, that's what he argues is that right. this this passage and um, yeah elsewhere because it also appears in Matthew, right? Not not exactly the same, but a mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. passage. Uh, are actually talking about Jesus' death and resurrection not necessarily about AD 70. Mm-hmm. I say, I don't know. <laughs> because, you know, all of those options, you, you look at them and you go, okay, I can see what you're saying here. You know, I don't know, where do you go? Where do you think? Well, I, I traditionally, we need, we need Alistair Roberts. Um, <clears throat> he would he would have an erudite answer to this. Alistair, where are you? But uh, the way I understand, I hadn't, I actually hadn't come across the Peter Bolt position. I'll go away and study it because mm. Peter was my lecturer at, um, at college and I don't know why. I never came across that point of view since he taught me. He may have, he may, that may have been, maybe I've forgotten it, but I would say it would tend to say it would be a combination of AD 70 and then the second coming. Yeah, I probably. And there's no reason why you couldn't put Jesus' death in there with that as Mm. well. Yep. I mean, the the passage, the verse I think is difficult to account for if you think it's all the second coming is verse 30. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Well, if a generation is 40 years, 40 years from about AD 30 when Jesus is ministering is AD 70, isn't mm, it? Yep. So I think the, the second coming bit comes after that. Yep. But I don't know. So how was Jesus preparing his disciples here then? Well, what is he doing? He's kind of saying, I'm going away. <laughs> you know, kind of, this is this is about to happen. I'm about to die. Uh, and But it's not the end. Things are going to come. The kingdom of God is not. That's what his ministry has been about, right? It's going, mm-hmm. What does he say at the very beginning of his ministry that we've seen? Uh, right at the beginning of Mark, the kingdom of God is here. Repent. And Jesus is saying that is not stopping. It's actually continuing on, just as the world will continue on and things will go up and down. Uh, but it is not the end. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned his world. Mm. Well, let's have a look at verses 1 to 8 of chapter 13. Um, and as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings 
And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now, Rito, how are these verses focused then on the temple? Well, where are they? They're at the temple, right? So in verse 1, as he was leaving the temple, and what happens is the uh, the disciples and Jesus, they've come to the temple one of the disciples is marveling at how huge this temple is. You know, look how beautiful and huge it is. Uh, and, you know, what massive stones, what magnificent building. You can actually still, you can go online and you can uh, have a look. They've got a live feed of the Wailing Wall. And the, the Wailing Wall was a part of that, that structure. You know, it was destroyed in 1870, but the Wailing Wall was a part of that original kind of temple structure. Uh, and so you can actually go on and see it live uh, kind of during the day. But... The whole thing is that they're standing there and Jesus is saying in, in verse 2, not one stone here will be left on, on another. Every one will be thrown down. It, it, this is the whole thing. They must be couched in the temple. The question is, is it the physical temple that, that he's t- speaking about? Is it himself? Uh, is it something else? Mm. Why do the disciples ask what they ask here, do you think? Well, you, know, you mean about, about the temple, that, mm. you know, kind mm. of how, how amazing it is. Mm. Well, it's such a grand. It was such a grand structure, wasn't it? It was huge, and it was was encasing gold. I think mm-hmm. at the top, so it shone. You know, kind of it was. The, it was the light on the hill. You know, kind of this beautiful thing. Even though it wasn't as big as, as Solomon's temple, it was still this grand kind of structure. How could it ever be moved? Is basically the, mm-hmm. the thing that that surely we, as God's people, are the the highlight of, of you know the, this this world. How is this section about deception, do you think, and the need for watchfulness? Well, isn't that the, the thing is that they ask for a sign and Jesus says, well, here's the sign. Life's going to go on. It's basically the sign. You know, there's going to be wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be famines. Nations are going to rise up against each other. And so there's a sense of, well, you need to be ready because life will go on, but the kingdom is still coming. Why are people today always predicting the end of the world or the second coming? You know, we've had so many predictions, haven't we? Well, it is coming at some point. <laughs> you know, you kind of, yeah, well, you know, what is, it, what is it with our fascination to do that? But it's not only in Christian circles, is it? It's kind of everywhere kind of does that. Even you see that with modern science, you know, kind of claiming that the world will end in, you know, 30 or 40 or whatever years time. Mm. You just have to have it far out enough. For it to when it comes around that everyone's forgotten that you can then re, you know redo it again you know you kind of um, I think that that's that's the trick to predicting the end of the world I don't know what what is it about our nature that we kind of we can't see past a certain future mm. uh, for the world to continue on mm. yes okay uh, chapter thirteen verses nine to thirteen let's carry on. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. 
And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my namesake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Okay, this is another watch out passage, Rito. What are we watching out for here? You're going to be handed over uh, and you're going to have to give an account uh, of what you've believed. And so it's, you know, on account of me, you will stand before governors and kings and witnesses to them. So watch out. Trouble is coming. Mm -hmm. What's the hope in these verses? Well, that the gospel is going to be preached uh, and that people are going to believe. And so there is hope there, isn't there, that this gospel is not going to die out with me, but it will go forth. Who are people really persecuting? Well, Jesus says, you know, they're really persecuting me, doesn't he? Mm. Yes. Um, you know, and it is true that they hate they hate us, you know, kind of in in this sense of persecution. The persecution against Christians is people are hating us not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is that, and his claim that he is God. How does the Lord Jesus help us persevere then in times of trial? Well, I think there's there's two things then, isn't there? That one that this is not outside of God's control. This is actually this is not the end. This is actually just a part of the, the plan for God bringing his kingdom. But also that the spirit is given in those times, uh, whatever that looks like specifically, Jesus isn't clear, but that he will give us the words to say, that he will He will be there with us. Okay, let's move a bit further into um, Jesus' prophecy here. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not to be, let the reader understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor into his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not happen in winter, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. False Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. So... <laughs> the $20 million question. Yeah. What does the abomination of desolation refer to? Well, if, got, if I could answer that succinctly, mm. I wouldn't be a wealthy person, wouldn't I? But, um, it's probably got multiple. Uh, certainly in Daniel, it's it's got a specific. Yeah, because that's where it comes from, right? It's mm, a reference to, yes. is it Daniel 7 or is it later? It's later, I think. And it's, yeah. uh, well, it depends how you interpret Daniel, but I think Alistair Roberts concluded, I think it's to do with the um, the buying and selling of the high priesthood. Yeah, okay. And so the, the priestly line, the Zedekite line, is lost because it's been bought by uh, the Greek the Greek guys who, and the, oh, and the Herods okay. basically um, took over control and patronage of the temple yep. so that they basically could buy and sell and put in whoever they liked. Mm. Jason and Menelaus, aren't they? Menelaus is the first one. That's an initial, but then it can refer to all sorts of other things. Yeah, so this is, you know, and this is the thing. That Possibly the uh, the Romans too attacking the uh, yes. attacking the temple. Yeah, so there's a thing with the you know the mixing of the the pig's blood with the, the mm -hmm. sacrifice um, that it could refer to. It could it could also refer to, and this is this is a possibility with apocalyptic literature that it's got more than one thing visible at the same time. Oh, for sure. Um, so it could it could be Jesus' death. You know what what 
Well, indeed. What what is worse? Yeah, the abomination of desolation. desolation. You know, yeah. What, what what is worse than mm. the Son of God dying on a cross? Mm. You know, kind mm. of in, a, in such a pitiful way. So it could be that. You know, in other words, there's no there's no certainties here. Right? Mm. We want to kind of. I, I think any of those or all of those. Um, yeah, yeah. Would be perfectly um, would be perfectly uh, acceptable. Yeah, and and probably maybe many others. Okay, how can we stand firm in times of destruction and upheaval then? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? That you know, God is bringing this, you know, kind of this upheaval for whatever whatever purpose. But I think one of the key things is to understand that it is God that is that is in control of this. That He is the one uh, kind of forwarding for, forwarding these events for His means and ends. So it's not to kind of lose our heads, but it's actually to stay firm, uh, stay grounded, and kind of say, okay, we can be uh, a, a presence in this world for God's kingdom. By not losing our heads and just kind of mm. staying, uh, kind of having some stability. Yeah. yeah. 24 to 34. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars. Now, this is an old creation language, isn't it? It's mm. the, uh, the end of the old creation coming about uh, in terms of the Old Testament prophecy. So this would be AD 70, I would, I would say. And the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then, presumably that's the ascension, isn't it? Mm. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. You have just been doing Revelation with Alistair Roberts. Yeah, this all ties in. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Um, and just carrying on to 34. And then the Greek tense changes, doesn't it? But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Now, how is this a fourth watch out? Well, you have these kind of a series of here. This is what Jesus is doing. Verse 5, you've got watch out. Where else do, you, do we see them? Be on your guard in verse 9. Trying to find the other ones. Uh, but all, all of them are kind of saying the same thing. But, you know, verse 24, but in those days they're falling into stress. That, that he's kind of saying, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Be aware of what it. So it's a watch out, as in, be aware and be prepared that it's coming. Mm. You're not you're not going to stop it by being prepared, but it will come and you'll be you'll be ready for it. Yeah. What's the significance of the markers or lights of the old creation, the sun, moon, and stars being shaken here? Well, well, creation has been undone. Mm. Um, so it's been there's an uncreation kind of happening, which you see in Noah. With Noah, and you know, kind of, there's a there's a decreation happening. You, you see it at the crucifixion too. Yeah, exactly. And you see you see it with the plagues mm. as well. And then yeah, you see it with the crucifixion that in moments of God's judgment, this is what He does: mm. he, the weight of His glory and the weight of His judgment come down on the earth. And what happens? The creation undoes itself. You kind of it, it, yeah. Yeah. How is this a reference to the prophet Joel? I don't know. <laughs> well, Joel Joel uses a similar words, doesn't he? Does he? Yes. Okay, yes. I believe so. Sorry. That's all right. Does verse 26 refer to, I think we've already dealt with that, haven't we? Does verse 26 refer to Jesus' ascension, do you think? Possibly. Yeah, it possibly mm. could. It's either his ascension or his return, right? 
Uh, Where would you fall? On that? I would I would say it's this ascension because it just comes before verse thirty, which says, "Truly, this generation will not pass mm. away until all these things take place." So, whatever Jesus is talking about, whether it's his death uh, or whether it's his death and the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, um, which I think is probably both actually, it's got to be happening in his. This has got to be happening in his. It's got to be happening before AD seventy. Yeah. So therefore, it would make, and it refers back to Daniel seven, mm. where of course. Uh, one like a son of man enters the throne room of heaven. Yeah. So he's not coming from the throne room no, from he's God. Going to, he's going up, yeah. isn't he? So uh, if you take Daniel 7 in context, I would say it's a reference to the ascension. But who knows? Do you think verse 27 uh, refers to the preaching and spread of the gospel after Jesus' ascension? Yeah, because you've got he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. So it's kind of... So the gospel going, going out, out and acts, right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah. The, and you see that in Revelation. I mean, that's a picture of Revelation that we're mm. just doing with Alistair. That uh, you see the Lamb ascend into the throne room in chapter five, is it? Chapter yep. five, yep. yeah. And then you get the, then the next chapters. You get the seals, and you get the the, the horses going out mm. uh, and authorized by the cherubim, and they are one of them is the word of God. So yep. it's very much a picture, I think, of the word of God going out during the Book of Acts, possibly. How might this passage refer to the second coming, though? It, it could do. that Because you know, so the Greek text the changes, gather, doesn't it? The, yeah, you've got the gathering as well. The problem is with the, is with the thir, thir, verse 30, isn't it? I tell you the truth. Yeah. This generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Well, I've actually read commentaries where people have said, well, this means Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. Because if this passage is all referring to the second coming, then Jesus didn't know. He, he, Jesus thought that he was going to return before the end of the, the generation living. Mm. But it doesn't isn't a problem if you treat it as that initial bit as referring to either his death and or his death and the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It seems to make the most sense. I think that, that verse 32 is where it changes, but concerning that day or that mm. hour. And it's interesting that the Son of Man, that, that the Son doesn't know that hour either or that day. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that kind of is a mystery, isn't it, to, mm. to many of us. It's like, it is, well, does the Father keep secrets? <laughs> you know, it's not that it's a secret, but, you know, kind of, there is something to be revealed, isn't mm. there? Mm. Yes. Okay, what are we told to do in the light of all of this then? Well, watch out. It's going to be a big question. Lots of, lots of watching. Yeah. Be on your guard. Oh. Be alert. Verse 33, that, that kind of it comes at the end there, doesn't it? Because uh, you don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, but it's, it's to be ready for, for what's going And how do you be ready? I don't think it's that difficult, is it? It's to say, to have Jesus as Lord, mm-hmm. to understand that he is the Son of God and to live in light of that. Verses 35 to 37. Uh, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the cock crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you. This has got to be the second coming here. Lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. It's interesting yeah. that you've got the cock crows Yes, yes, like the crucifixion. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. So what does Jesus describe here then? And how, how do we apply this passage to us? Well, again, you know, what have you got? You've got another watch out. Therefore, watch out. Um, you know, Jesus is coming back. There's certainty rather than... So Jesus is not, not kind of saying, you know, I'm coming here to trick you. You know, I'm just... I'm, it's not like a game of hide and seek or, you know, kind of where, he's, where you know, we, we've been looking around trying to find him and then all of a sudden he's going to burst out of a, cu- a cupboard and, you know, kind of... It's, it's going to be scary. It's not like that. He's saying this so that we're prepared for him, that he is coming, kind of, and, and the church should be prepared 
as it, as the bride for its groom to come. And so it's it's like a wedding day, you know, kind of in the same sense that we're waiting. Watch out, I'm coming. You know, yes, it is taking some time, uh, but it's taking some time because I'm preparing you for that time to come. Mm-hmm. Anyway, however you interpret the passage, it is magnificent. Rido, once again, thank you so much. The Reverend Ian Reid of King's Grace Presbyterian Church, Palmerston North, New Zealand. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. Ian, thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.